WBT Productions presents Hosh Rubat, Episode 5, The Ancient Scroll, Part 2. Behind the fiery walls of the Rub Akali, Amaro looked over the destruction, his expression void of emotion. It was not a conscious effort. He was never one to show emotion. Such innocence was taken from him long ago. The fire jinn had torn through the hulls with abandon. Fortunately, the damage, though extensive, was not beyond repair. Initially, the creatures had been conjured as potential weapons against Rub Akali's enemies. But lately, they were becoming more and more unstable, unwilling to bend to their masters. Their loss of control over the creatures was becoming a serious problem. Amaril strolled along a section of corridor that was charred black and still smoking in places. Not far, one of the guardsmen lay slain. Amaril could hardly consider him a man at this point. His clothing had melted, fused to his flesh, a ghastly scene like the nightmare of a child. The worst part was the eyes. Or rather, the void where eyes once were. Black as pitch. If Amaral was a different man, he may have had such horrifying dreams himself. But once again, this was something of which he was no longer capable. Guardsmen! One of the few survivors leaned heavily against the charred wall some ways down the corridor. He did not seem to hear Amaral. He was too busy examining the damage caused by the djinn. Guardsman! This time the man looked up. He wiped away his harried expression, then made his way to Amaral. Sir, how did this happen? The man paused with uncertainty. Amaral already knew his response. Never mind. I command you and the other survivors to perform a full investigation. This monster's cage should have been impregnable. The guardsman nodded. He turned, then paused. Yes? Said Amaral, slight frustration in his voice. The guardsman turned to him. If I may beg your pardon, is the creature still here? Amaral's expression went blank once more. He turned toward the guard. I suppose you'll have to find that out for me as well. The guardsman's face, we're not black with char went pale as bone. Yes, sir. He nodded once more, then continued on his way. Amaral couldn't help but smile. Well, perhaps not every trace of emotion had been taken from him. Sosruko sat inside his meager dwelling within the dark forest. He smiled, barely giving his brother the attention he knew he expected. This was the one enjoyment he had developed since his uprooting from his home of Hoshruba and exile within these dank, foreboding woods.
King Batras Wise rose from his throne and began to pace. He could feel the hatred behind Sosruko's words. It was to be expected, he thought, as he himself shared equal hatred for his sibling. He found himself less able to call him, or even think of him, as a brother. My king. More sarcasm. I don't understand why you persist with your spying on me. In all these years, have I ever once ventured from these woods, or, or for that matter, even attempted such a feat? I have no power. Well, some, but nowhere enough to challenge you for what should be mine. King Batrast paused. And it is because of this that I shall evermore continue such attention upon you. Now tell me what I wish. Of course, my king, said Sosuruko. Only I seem to have forgotten the question. Why did you send one of your fellow beasts into the camp of Abu Talab? Sosuruko's smile vanished. How would you come to know this? A pointless question. Sosuruko knew damn well the power of one who held the throne. Now answer me. Sosuruko stood, took a long pace to the far end of his modest shack, and retrieved a piece of dry apple. He bit into it, chewed. Just because I live amongst these abominations does not mean I control their every action. Uh, they are free to come and go as they please, even if they seldom do so. After all, they do tend to make a strong impression. King Batrast Wise went silent. He knew this line of questioning was pointless. He would never get the truth from Sosruko. Perhaps it was not needed. Sosruko sensed his brother's mental grip loosen and slip from his mind. A temporary reprieve, of course, but he had achieved his goal. He took another bite of his apple. The diversions had been taken as truth. Now his true task was at hand. Within her chamber, Adara felt her concubine's hands stroking down over her shoulders. A feeble attempt at seduction. He pressed against her. My queen. Adara turned to him with an aggressive stare. His hands fell away. I am not a queen. This is not a kingdom. His smile vanished. Of course. I did not mean. It's just... Me. She turned away. I'm sure. She spoke to him as an afterthought. Was she that bored of him already? It usually took much longer for her interest to wane. She watched him in the mirror. He was handsome enough, though she thought little of it. Perhaps because most everyone who dwelled within the Rub Akali was beautiful. 
one of the many gifts from their past lives as Hushrubian. They were beautiful, yes, but they were still not free. Is there something wrong? He watched her from near the bed. He was nervous. She smiled. Suddenly, he was more appealing. She turned to him. Forgive me. I must be tired. He relaxed. Started towards her. Not surprising. Considering the stress you've been experiencing. She bristled. Again with the undue familiarity, she thought. Speaking as if he knew her. Just because she had taken him to her bed. This did not mean an invitation for intimacy, though. Concubines tended to forget that. Even so, her demeanor was unusually stern, mere boredom being her usual reaction. Yes, of course. So very... exhausting. It's as if the walls were crashing down upon us. He stopped moving. S such a thought. <laughs> I mean, for it to happen would be beyond terrifying. Would it? She moved to him. He retreated back to the bed. You would prefer a gilded cage, my little bird, rather than freedom to soar amongst the clouds. A slight look of fear crossed over his features. She smiled. She liked them afraid. Oh my, she thought, this really was the end. Once fear came into play, all illusion of equality was done. She continued toward him as he retreated until he found himself pinned against the bed. She saw him relax slightly. So, which would you choose? She continued to him, her hands sliding down the front of her gold-trimmed nightgown. Freedom? He said. He shivered as he spoke. It was almost a question. She stopped a hair's breath from him. He was a fool, simply telling her what he thought she wanted to hear. Her hand brushed his cheek, then moved to his hair. You are almost special to me. I thought you should know that. Before any emotion could cross his face, her other hand flew across his neck, drawing a stark line of red across his throat with the blade she had hidden. She watched the predictable actions of a man finding his life's blood leaving him. He pawed, he gurgled, and then he died. Pity, the bedding and rug would have to be discarded again. And she had just replaced the last set. Yes, she thought. Freedom appealed to her greatly. Half hidden, Bedisa watched as her father left her mother's chamber. She could see grief in his eyes. There would be no better time. Under normal circumstances, she would not have thought to burden her mother with her petty concerns. 
She just wished she had spent more time with her mother before this. Simple time spent together as no more than mother and daughter. No agendas, no urgency, just remembrance of times long past. She pushed away such thoughts before entering the chamber. Something inside her knew they would come back someday. But today, they would be nothing more than a whisper. She looked into her mother's chamber. The lamps were low, almost useless. She continued, stopping short of her mother's bed. She must be sleeping, Bedisa thought. Perhaps now was not the right time. Perhaps she would try again in a few hours. Surely it was not as dire as all. Then Bedisa saw her mother's head turn toward her. No, this was the time. She knelt down beside her mother. Silence. Hello, mother. She kept her eyes turned down, not out of fear, but out of respect. Even in the harshest of times, such etiquette could not be ignored. It was the thing that made Hashrubians greater than all others, this sense of... Her mother's cold hand fell weakly upon hers. With it, all decorum faded from her mind. The tears came but a moment after for both mother and daughter. I wanted to ask. Father must have told you. Her mother nodded. I wanted to ask. Ask for your blessing. I know by all rights it is time, but I wish you... Her mother clenched Bedisa's hand. It was barely more than a slight twitch, but it was enough to silence her. Her mother's eyes darted to the left. There was a small table beside the bed. A single drawer. Something you want? The queen blinked. In the drawer? Another blink. Badisa opened the narrow drawer. Inside, a folded parchment envelope. Nothing more. What is it? The queen held her gaze. Badisa knew it was meant for her. She removed the envelope. As she glanced over it, a feeling of dread overcame her. For some reason, she knew that upon opening it, everything would change. fell. By that time, almost all had died. Slain. Brother against brother. He had seen the whole thing, yet he could do nothing. Indeed, some would have said it was because of him that all this had come to pass. He would plead with them. It was not his fault. He only ever did it for Hashruba, for her preservation. They were chosen to lead, to rule, this was not possible. Not. Luca pitched forward, plunging from his bed inside the library onto the cold stone beneath. The dream still held tight to his mind, but slowly it faded. 
No, not a dream. A prophecy. Luca breathed deep. He stood, his hand against the wall to steady himself. Time. We have time. He took a few more deep breaths, then staggered to his washing table. His hands dove into the basin and splashed cold water over his face. Slowly, the world came back to him, and the unsettling dream slipped away into memory. Yet, it was not to be forgotten. As sure as the fall of night follows the rise of day, it would return, waiting to be known. He knew this was not the last he would see of this dream. If there were any reason to doubt what was to come, that uncertainty had been forever banished from his mind. It would come, the fall of Hashruba, the end of it all, of what they had fought for, sacrificed for. He assured himself he would not let this come to pass. He had taken steps, after all, sent his agent on a journey to discover the cure. Perhaps he could find more solutions. Some of these texts may still hold secrets. It was impossible to read them all, but no longer. He would not sleep, he would not sup, until he found the answer he sought. For he knew, with dreaded certainty, that he was not the only one looking. On the next episode... Physical exertion was not something Dak was used to in his role as Luca's apprentice. He could die today, he thought, before continuing into the hell that was the dark forest. A rock slid out from under his foot. He screamed as the weight of his body tore at his shoulder. The pain ripped through his torso. King Batras Wise grasped the jeweled ebony hilt of his blade. Before him stood a beast of obscene proportions. King Batras Wise made his move on the beast. His small blade cocked back over his shoulder. The thing was ready, and countered the move as its claws shot out at him head on. He readied himself for a second attack, but this time, the beast was quicker. The creature's gaping mouth descended on him, ready to engulf him. His daughter, Princess Bedisa, stood over him. She glared at him with anger. What were you thinking? That thing! It wasn't real. I needed to test myself. You needed to test your ego, you mean. Are you ready to continue your education? Then Luca waits for you. It had been quiet inside the camp of Abu Talib for the last few days. Ziba stared out the window into the lush forest that stood just out of reach from the camp. Minu had risen from her resting place. Mother! Minu froze as Ziba hurried to her side. She tucked her mother back into bed. I told you, today is yours to recuperate. Where is your brother? Training. I fear for him. I know. Something has him. Something foreign in design. This has been Hoshruba, Episode 5, The Ancient Scroll, Part 2, created by WBT Productions, written by Brent Beebe, produced by Farouk Shah Khan. 
Directed by Elia Rupp Hernandez. Sound mixer and sound editor, Raina Randolph. Sound recordist, Jensen Young. Sound mixer, post sound, and sound editor for credits, Sophie Huang. Narrated by Darren Johnson. Voiceover artists, Zergog Tovar as Amiral. Jonathan Lacosto as Guardsman. Robin Shield as King Betraz. Steve Gray as Sosruko. Danielle Barcena as Queen Adara. Alexander McIntosh as the Concubine. Brenda Yanez as Princess Bedisa. Bruce Kaplan as Luca. Credits voice by Steve Gray. Stay tuned for Episode 6, Water Magic and Queen Adara.